Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy Smoke Shop on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209. They have locations in Stockton and Tracy. We are coming off of episode 96 just last week where Ryan and I came on and talked about all of the takes that people have out there in Kingsland. Um, we had a good conversation around that and why it might be best to look at the Kings in totality when making your takes. If you're looking for that episode or any of our other episodes, you can always find those streaming wherever you get your podcasts. Bringing in my co-host today, as always, Ryan, what's good? What is going on, everybody? So, it's been a uh, you know a busy weekend. I'm sure most of you guys out there have uh, uh, you know participate in the fantasy football leagues, and you know. This was championship weekend, so um, yeah, I play, in, I play in four leagues. I uh, went to the championship in two, won one of them. Uh, so, you know, anytime you get that, uh, you know, nice little piece of change that, you know, really helped me cover my shitty bets this week. So, you know, it was a hell of a week for championship week to come around because I probably had my worst betting week in a long time. Um, but you know, start off on a better note today. I, I hit on a little uh, two-team teaser. Um, you know, so one, one uh, I, I, you know, I, I kind of messed up. I was busy today, so I only got to, to do one bet. But, you know, I won a little 25 bucks today. So we're starting the week on a high note. Um, I did go to the game last night. As you guys know, I like to point out, you know, I have season tickets. So uh, I was in attendance uh, to watch that very good game against Miami. Um, you know, I, I know Miami had a lot of people out, but at the end of the day, they had Tyler Hero, Kyle, Kyle Lowry, and Jimmy Butler all played. So, um, you know, anytime you can get a win against a team that has, you know, three of their better players on the court, uh, something to be happy about. So, uh, yeah, man, it, it's just been a good week. I'm looking forward to, it. you know, Lakers tomorrow. Uh, you know, LeBron's been playing center, by the way. That's going to be very interesting. And then uh, the Hawks on Wednesday. So good week of basketball coming up. Very excited. The Kings um, back from all the fucking bullshit. Everyone's everyone is bouncing back. Um, so I, I think that, you know, the, how, how up and down it is. I mean, our, our last week's episode, I'm trying to look back. I want to say it was the Mavericks. We were we recorded during the Mavericks game where they lost, I think. Right. Is that where we were on, Ryan? Do you remember? Um, or was it the Mavericks game? They won. One, I thought they won. Yeah, they won. Okay, so then they lost the next one. So really, last, dude, two, we, last Wednesday, I believe, was yeah. And in, yeah. in the in the one week since we recorded, literally only two games, and one was last Friday, and then the one was yesterday against the Heat. So like, not a lot of action, a lot of breaks um, in there. But I mean, out of the last uh, four games, three and one. So that's how it goes, right? Like 
up and down, up and down with everybody back. I think one of the things that we were talking about last, last week though, is like how um, the season, like we, we came in with some rare optimism for us, you know, when everyone else is going crazy, we were, we came in and we were like, I don't know. The season is so long. And, and we, I think one of the big things is it, it reminded me of the last two seasons really with the Kings where they came out shitty in November, December, you know, and then come January, I think you, you kind of can start to turn it around. They always say like the NBA season really starts after Christmas. And so as long as you're kind of in the mix, uh, you know, I wanted to bring this up to you though, because everyone gets so hyper-focused on, on their team. Right. And which is understandable. I mean, it's, it's a long season. There's a lot of games, but right now the Kings are holders of the 10th seed, which puts them in the above the play in line. Um, and one thing I wanted to point it out was this, Ryan, like most of the NBA is record wise is not that great. I mean, I remember looking at the standings last week and all the way up to the fifth seed was about 500 or under 500. And it's changed now. I mean, teams have won a little bit. So you're seeing, um, you know, the fifth seed back to about 500, but that's just kind of the way of the league this year, I think. And so when the Kings were, you know, below where they were, it, it you know, it didn't, it didn't entirely put them out of it just because the entire NBA is kind of playing that way. Yeah. I'm trying to bring up the standings actually right now. So let's just, so we can get it accurate. I haven't looked at it in a couple of days. All right. So we have Sacramento 16 and 22, Minnesota 16 and 20. Um, and then Lakers 19 and 19. Clippers 19 and 18, Dallas 19 and 18, Denver 18 and 17. And then it really gets separated. Uh, Memphis 24 wins, Utah 27, Phoenix 28, Golden State, Golden, Golden State, <laughs> Golden State uh, 28 wins. But, you know, you, you look at this, right? Like 16 and 20 Minnesota. Honestly, I healthy, fully healthy. I think we're better in Minnesota. I really do. Right. So there's, you know, there's that uh, the Lakers, we're not going to catch the Lakers 19 and 20. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but LeBron's like, he, he's really just been on a tear the whole month of December coming into January. Last three, last three games, he's averaging like 37 points per game, 12 and a half rebounds. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the Clippers are a Paul George, Paul, why can't I talk? Paul George rolled ankle away from being a uh, really average, like really, really average. So, um, you know, looking at that, those are those are kind of the teams I'm looking at to where we can kind of jump up in there. But I, I do think Sacramento is going to stay in that, you know, eight to ten window. But like you said, man, you know, basketball doesn't really start until after Christmas. So it's, you know, hey, Sacramento's three and one right now. I and, and they're healthy, dude. That's the biggest thing outside of Rashawn Holmes. You know, the team is really healthy and Rashawn Holmes doesn't even hurt. He's just in COVID protocol. The you know, and that's where like our to to build on our conversation from last week. Our, our conversation last week was about how people like to look at things in really small sample size um, to, to make their takes, you know, and they'll make their take based on one week of play or two weeks of play or how one guy matched up against one team. And then, then they'll form that opinion throughout the whole season. That's not entirely the case. Like the, the NBA is a very long season and it's in multiple chunks. And, the Kings obviously had a rough first stretch, but it, it, it's one of it's one of those things. Like right now, if, if some things are starting to get better, okay. Like, and, and we always talk about this is one thing I wanted to bring up to you, Ryan. Like the we talk about like law of averages, you know, and how some guys go off for stretches, 
and people overhyped him. I would say there's the there's the other side of that coin, right? And that some people play play well below, and people start to think that they're non-impact players, right? But if, eventually, everybody regresses to their mean or moves up to it. And I think that's the case with um, De'Aaron Fox, particularly, just because he's he. I think he the last the last couple games really since he's come back, he's looked nice. Yeah. And you know, that, that also plays into like Harrison Barnes, right? Like looking at it right now, you know, Harrison Barnes got off to that, like crazy, crazy start 30 points, 12 and a half rebounds, like the first like week and a half of the season. And he's down to 16 and a half points per game, uh, four or six rebounds, excuse me, and two assists. Uh, yeah, Darren Fox, you know, he was, he was 15, 16 points a game for the first few weeks. Remember that? And everyone's freaking out. He's creeped up 20 and a half, uh, three and a half rebounds, five assists. So he, he's making his way up, uh, you know. So, uh, yeah, the, the law of averages really does play in there. Uh, one thing, you know, I, I do want to point out statistically looking at here. Um, the the one surprise for me from Sacramento statistical output is Metu, man. You know, Metu, 23 minutes a night, nine points, uh, six and a half rebounds. Um, the one thing that drives me nuts, I, 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 I wanted to talk about him cause I was at the game the other night and, you know, he's coming off of that game winner from last week. Um, actually we recorded that day. Um, the guy, you know, what drives me nuts about him though? I, I do like him. He's athletic. He can do some things. He's got a nice offensive game. I don't like how much he shoots threes, dude. I really don't. I don't. <laughs> That's like the, I was at the game the other day. And I'm like, dang dude, like, this guy just pulls that trigger, dude. He's not, he's not a good three-point shooter. <laughs> uh, so I just, I wanted to come out here and you know, a lot of people are out there saying like, I saw a take today that a hey, Met two's better than Marvin Bagley. And I'm like, mm, I like Met two. I do offensive game, you know, but man, dude, Bagley and, you know, they, they both average six and a half rebounds, but you know, Met two plays almost four minutes more a game. You know, so and 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 I, I I saw that take and I'm just like, man, people just love, you know, it's all of a sudden Metu hits the game winner and people just loved, oh, Metu is better than Bagley, blah, blah, blah. So I, I just wanted to point that out. That's one thing I, I really, he's su- I'm surprised. I didn't think Metu would even crack the rotation, but he is playing a meaningful role and you got to give props for him that open three in the corner, man. Like that, that, you know, when it got past him, I was like, fuck the one person on the court, you don't want to be open right there. Right. And I was like, buck and he hit it and so i feel yeah, good about it somebody insane. some some somebody put a stat out and they were like well you know he did shoot 40 percent in the in the olympics or whatever you know basically an international play for whatever team he's playing for and i go well you know i think it's nigeria and he's like yeah man well is it is isn't the ryan you could is, is is a three-point line closer in in no. international no no the no the balls the ball's different i believe but they use that FIBA whatever ball, but you know, you know what it is. It's guys aren't as good, right? Like guys aren't as lengthy. When a guy's closing out on you, you know, in the NBA, you're getting closed out by a world class athlete, right? Like top, top, you know, 150 player in the world. You know, when a guy from, you know, London, you know, some guy from England who's closing out on you or some guy from where, you know, some some nobody from Germany or some nobody from China, some six foot four power forward is closing out on you. Like, you know, when you're a legit 
legit seven footer and, and you're in the NBA, you're going to hit that. You know, people forget that Ricky Rubio, I have to look this up, but I'm pretty sure Ricky Rubio was averaging like 25 plus a game in the, in the, in the Olympics, you know, when has Ricky Rubio ever scored more than like 12 and a half? Well, yeah. You know, so like, people want to use stat. Yeah. People want to, people want to use international game as a barometer stats. And it's not a, it, that doesn't translate, right? The game's different. The flow's different. The athletes are different, right? You know, you, you might have a, you know, like I said, a six foot five guy closing out on you instead of a six foot 10 guy and Metu being almost seven foot rising up and shooting over the top, clear view, very easy, you know? So you got to take that into account, but that is one, that is my one criticism of Metu out of everything. I, I love everything I've seen from him. He's, been he's been great it's what you want from sacramento there's legit you know we've talked about this you want legit nba talent on your team there is you know he's a legit nba talent like metu belongs in the nba my one criticism shoots too many threes i i don't like it i i think metu should be down he's got a nice little turnaround um you know i i think he he can you know face up and shoot the you know 15 to 20 footer more effectively so uh, but yeah, I, I, I saw, I saw that post about Metu being better than Bagley. And I'm like, I just don't agree with that yet. And I, you know, and I go to a lot of games I watch in person and I, it, he doesn't pass the eye test yet to pet, to surpass Bagley. And that's probably why Bagley is in the starting lineup, right? Like that's probably why Bagley going forward is going to be in the starting lineup every night. Metu shoot. He does shoot a lot of threes. It's something I've pointed out mostly on Twitter. I'll put it out there. Uh, but, but Metu, you know, yesterday, zero for three. He, he shoots five threes in the Mavericks game. Um, in the other Mavericks game, you know, he, he pulled up another – I pulled up the same box score twice. Um, let's see, another five. He's pulling – he's shooting – he shoots like four to five a game. <laughs> you know, he really does. If it, And there's been times I think I've seen him go over yeah. six. That's a lot. That is a lot of shooting. And so I agree. But, but the thing is, is that – you know, people talk about like the thing on a tangent here. People talk about like, uh, you know, you got to have players that can shoot. I feel like everybody can kind of shoot. Even Alex Len was hitting a couple open threes this season. Like, yeah. I, I've been betting you, you Marvin. Alex, you, yeah, you watch Alex Len in warm ups, dude. He takes, you know, 23s in warm ups every yeah. game. Just real quick before I forget, dude, Met 2 is averaging. 3.9 threes per game. So four threes per game. He's shooting 26%. You know, that's my one knock. That is my one knock. I've been going to the games and I'm just like, man, that too, man. I just feel like he's more effective if he just hits that 15 to 20 range, you know, spot up. He's got, he's athletic, dude. He can get to the hole. He can dribble a little bit too. So it's like face up, man, you know, shoot over the top of the guys in the mid range, you know, and, and, or try to get to the hoop. So, um, but he is very, you know, I, I really wanted to talk to him because he hit that game winner and it, people have really been bringing him up lately in Kingsland. So I've just, you know, I wanted to come in and put his game into perspective, but, uh, yeah, got to stop shooting so much threes, man. I'm not a fan. I've been betting Marvin Bagley even like, this is a good bet guys. If you're out there, anytime I see Marvin Bagley, uh, over under threes at 0.5. So basically he hits one, you win. I've bet it. I've hit it a lot. He, he hits a lot. He's been hitting like one a game. Um, he only I, he only takes it. That's that's the one thing that people people knock on Marvin Bagley like, oh, he's shooting a three. Marvin Bagley only takes corner threes, right? Like corner threes is the shortest distance, right? It's the highest percentage three point shot that there is. Marvin Bagley only takes corner threes. You do not see him pull up very often. 
you know, where there's like a little pick and pop from the top of the key and he tries to shoot the three from the top of the three, top of the three that that doesn't happen very often. There's a lot of corner threes from Marvin Bagley. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, he probably shouldn't be shooting that much threes anyway, but that's just the way the NBA goes. Well, no, the Kings don't have a lot of three point shooters and they have an offense that, you know, I mean, like any offense, there's always going to be guys open on the perimeter. So if they're up, they shoot. I mean, that's why you've got, that's why Metu's, Metu and Ham both are, I think you're seeing them playing a lot. And that's why I'm not, you're not seeing as much, uh, even with Sean Holmes out. I mean, those guys are eating a lot of the minutes, you know, and then Damian Jones, I think we want to talk about, but those guys in particular, like they're, they're, they're getting, they're getting points from the three point line because who else is going to fucking shoot them out there? You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's just kind of, that's kind of what is what it is. Um, the I, I'm really happy though. Marvin Bagley's been. I mean, after after all this, I'm pretty happy that um, that Marvin Bagley is is starting, and I I really like the way that the lineup looks. I think fi- like fucking finally. I, it's crazy. It took it just took turmoil and drama and firings and bullshit to get to this point. And at the end of the day, it's like. Why didn't why didn't they do this to start the year, man? What the fuck, you know? And that was one thing when when Luke Walton got it, fired. It's amazing. It's a, when the when Luke Walton got fired. There were two things that you and I were kind of saying, like hopefully, which we haven't seen entirely, but it's like hopefully no more off ball fox, and maybe this is what was been holding Marvin Bagley back. Like maybe that was it. You know what I mean? Because it, it made no sense, and it's pretty obvious now. And people are pretty quiet. I don't think, I, and I think I don't see anybody like being oppositional to him playing. He's, he's dude Marvin Bagley's in all for all cases. I mean, he's not he's not uh, you know destroying everything. He's doing what he's doing out there, and he's playing solid. I don't think anybody's objecting to that, which is funny because there was a lot of divisiveness surrounding him. I and mean, we did a whole fucking episode around him. You know, it was v- a very hot topic, and people just wanted to get over him. They didn't want him to play. They didn't want him. To... Pretty interesting that he's in the starting lineup already. It's the rebounding, man. It's you know he's only playing like twenty. 20- something minutes a night. Uh, let me bring this up. Actually, I just has stats up. So Bagley only plays on average, and this is the whole season, right? So like 20 minutes a night. That is it. You know, 20 minutes a night, and he's coming in, and he's averaging eight and a half and six and a half rebounds. And uh, it's very good to see him out there because he does pass the eye test athletically, right? Like when he's out there, if you see him, you know, when he gets that 25 plus minutes a night, he's going to grab 10 rebounds and you see him just crash the boards hard. And that's why he's in there. That that's really, that's really why he's in. And that was the point that me and you made is for a Sacramento team that is so, you know, so bad defensively, you know, everybody always says defense starts with rebounding, you know, and people are like, well, he's such a bad defender. Well, you know, it, they're so bad defensively defense starts with rebounding. So might as well go try to get boards. And that's something that he does, man. And you go out, you go to the games and you watch him in person Marvin Bagley's big as fuck, dude. Like, <laughs> you don't realize, like, dude, he's he. It, TV doesn't do that guy justice. He's like the one person on the team that I'm like on TV. He looks skinny and scrawny and just not, you know, he don't look like a seven footer. That full seven foot, dude. Like, I don't care what anybody says. Marvin Bagley's seven foot and he's big as shit, dude. Wide shoulders, big legs, like, you know. So when you see him on the court running. You know, and you see him going up for boards and seeing where he's high pointing the ball and he's just getting up above everybody. Um, that's something that me and you, I think we saw and we're like, dude, why are they not using this? Right. Um, so I'm happy, you know, and I hope the starting lineup stays the same. And that that kind of goes into, you know, like 
Damian Jones is in there too. There's another one, you know, who's just big as fuck, dude. Like he's big as fuck and he's out there just protecting the rim and he's playing well. So um, I'm a big fan of the starting lineup right now. I, re- I really am. Last night's starting lineup was solid. I love it. Yeah. And, and you know, the crazy thing is through all this too on, you know, I, I like to stick on the people who, who just have these, it's like kind of the same thing last week. These oppositional takes, they form their opinions right away, and then they just fucking die on that hill. No budging. It's like Mar- Marvin Bagley's 22, dude. He's 22. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. And and, and, and and any other era, this guy's just got drafted. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just got drafted. And and that's where the, um, that's where the takes, dude, when it comes to Kings fans – they make me laugh because it's like the Kings have just been, you know, for, for however long. And it's always this, this thing, you know, playing secondary talent. And then everyone always bitches that they, they don't develop players, but then they don't let, you know, they don't let it breathe. And, and, and that's why it was crazy. Like people didn't want to get behind this guy, you know, they, they didn't want to, they didn't want to get behind him going into theory. Like I get, I get the whole shit about him you know, saying stuff on Twitter. I think today's day and age, you just got to fucking accept that that's going to happen. Like people are going to say things on Twitter. They're going to post a picture. They're going to like a fucking comment. Like who gives a shit? Like that's, I think today's day and age when you're drafting kids so young and even when they get in the league, you just, that's, that shit's going to happen at the end of the day. Like they're, they're under contract and they're on the roster. So the, the, the people not getting behind him never really made sense to me because of his age and everything, everything like that. And so, yeah, I think that for everything that's been kind of crappy about this year, you know, the the, the like I said, the lineup, I, I do like, I do really do like where the lineup's at. And and yeah, Damian Jones, you know, let's talk about him. So the first real, I think the first time for me was probably the same time for you that, that and I talked about it last week, that Damian Jones, it really, it was like, like, oh shit. It, and it was, we, we talked about that use of Nurkic d- destroying the Kings and then they, they had no one. So they threw in Damian Jones and he's huge guys, huge. He alters shots at the basket. Um, he's just a big body. I think he just interrupts the game uh, just because of his fucking size and athleticism. And that's about it. And, um, you know, people talk about uh, Rashawn Holmes, for example. Okay. Like he, he gets, he gets a credit for like, Oh, you know, they don't have to draw up plays for them or they don't have to, he just kind of makes an impact. People say that. And I'm like, you know, I think Damon Jones is the same way. I think a lot of players are the same way. I mean, the guy goes out there and will get, you know, in the last couple of games, 18 and 10, you know, he gets, he gets yesterday, 10 and eight and 19 minutes, you know, six and six. So it's like, he goes out there and he makes an impact, man. And the one thing that's been very interesting, Ryan, and it's a hot take for you and I, but I don't give a fuck. And you tell me where you stand. Is it like, I don't, I think the, the center position is kind of interchangeable at this point to me. I'm not really in love. And, you know, especially with like Rashawn Holmes, I don't really think it, it's, su- I'm not saying it sucks. It's, I don't think, I don't know if it really matters. I don't think it's making them different. I don't think Rashawn Holmes is moving any needles. I don't think it matters. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's hard, man. It's hard, right? Because Sean Holmes does play very well, but it's, he, it's selective against, you know, where he plays really well at, you know? So um, I, I think, it, like you said, it doesn't matter. They're all playing about the same minutes anyway, right? Like you got, you know, Damian Jones is probably the one who's played the least, but, 
you know, between Metu, between Bagley, between Holmes, they're all playing, you know, 25 to 21 minutes, right? So, um, but I do think with Rashawn Holmes being out lately, you know, again, where Rashawn Holmes missed a lot of games again, to point out for everybody who likes to point out that Marvin Bagley misses games, Rashawn Holmes has missed a lot of games for the third year in a row that he's been in Sacramento. Uh, Damian Jones has definitely made a statement about, I deserve some minutes. So um, I don't know if Damian Jones start. I'm not ready to go there with it. Um, I do think that when Rashawn Holmes comes back, he does deserve a start. Let's not be crazy. The guy has, you know, he puts, he puts a statistical output. Um, I think he's earned that, but I think the days of seeing Rashawn Holmes play 30 minutes a night, 29 minutes a night or whatever he did last year and earlier on in the year, I think those are over. I, I really do between, you know, unless the Kings go make a trade and they, and they move off a couple big men, but um, you know, I think met to Damian Jones and Bagley deserve to play all 20 plus minutes a night. So um, like you said, it's interchangeable. It doesn't really matter. Um, and I don't think any of those guys are moving the needle crazy amount to where we need to go like advocate for them but i think as a collective group this is one of the better you know big men collective groups that we've had in a long time in sacramento that's and that's that's kind of the point there is that Rashawn holmes was the only guy on the island so he got all the love that came his way you know he got all the stats that came his way he got all the love because there's no one challenging him no one taking anything away and then the guys who were there the Kings didn't want to play. They didn't want to lean on. It was, it was, uh, they were so bad. They were playing Bielisa at center at times. They're playing, they, they were very reluctantly playing uh, Hassan Whiteside. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Kings front court, since Rashawn Holmes has been there, I mean, has really been terrible. I mean, Horrible. Marvin, Marvin Bagley's been hurt. And then, and then everybody else, you reluctantly play just because you have to. And so I think with that, Rashawn Holmes got all this like everybody's love. And then, because there was nothing, no, nothing to compare him to. And, and I think that now you, now that you're seeing him out and you're actually seeing athletic guys who are bigger, you know, Damian Jones is fucking huge and, and Metu is athletic and Marvin Bagley's healthy and playing. It's like, you know, you can kind of compare them on night to night basis. And it's like, is he standing out head and shoulders above everybody? No. And I think it's, I think for me, that's, I mean, it's, I'm not saying bench him or anything like that, but I'm just pointing out like maybe his, to me, his impact isn't as stellar as people thought. You know, I think that for me, it's more about the forwards being healthy. It's about, um, you know, De'Aaron Fox being healthy. That's more important, you know? And so I think, I don't know, man. I mean, I I know I'm just going to say, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they did trade Rashawn Holmes, if they tried to trade him. I mean, you know, uh, why not at this point? You know, especially if you're, if for him, if you're like, you know what, maybe he's not the needle mover that we were all that we thought, or maybe he doesn't need to be the mainstay. I mean, in the last month, I mean, I know I'm coming at it real right now, but in the last month, it's like if you go look at his stats, the games he did play, it's like, you know, it's it's not he's expendable is all I'm saying. And if and if he's not if he's not and they don't move him, I guess what I'm saying too is like those days of him playing 30 minutes is uh yeah it's over and that's that's a sign i think that's a sign in the right direction when you don't have to lean on players like that like secondary players to play fucking 30 plus minutes i think that's a good thing for your team right yeah let's put in perspective his minutes real quick 28 minutes his first year here 28 and a half and then last year 29.2 or whatever this year he's down to 26 that was before the 
the injuries and before the COVID protocols, before the emergence of Damian Jones, before the emergence of Chemezi Metu, and before Luke Walton, you know, was dismissed. So um, I, I do think times are going to change. I think those other guys deserve to be there. Um, as far as being traded, let's let's talk about this because people are going to listen to that. And people are just going to be like, oh, they're fucking hating on Rashawn Holmes. They don't know. I, I think that Rashawn Holmes has value, and I think that his contract is very favorable, like me and you said, that he wasn't going to be worth the $20 million that people were calling for, right? He got 10 point whatever million. Um, over four years, which, which is very, you know, that's pretty easy to move and to bring back a piece as well. So um, contract's very favorable. He is 28 years old. You know, it's not like he's 35. He's in the prime of his career right now. So we're looking at as, do we want to trade Rashawn Holmes? I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I don't I don't really know. We're, I don't know if we're calling for him to be traded. I, I don't know. But all we're stating is um, his contract's favorable. He has some value. And Sacramento seems to have some big man um, that, you know, could handle it. Obviously, they're, you know, the guys have been handling it for the last month. So they have some younger guys who could possibly handle the minutes. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where that is. It's not coming as a hate. We're not calling for to be traded that we're just putting in the perspective of, you know, in a month from now when the trade deadline happens, if Rashawn Holmes's names are up there for, you know, being traded to contenders, don't be surprised. Well, I think it's something people got to fucking wrap their brains around, dude. People fall in love with players, but then when when you have to have conversations about this, uh, Rajon Holmes is a secondary player on the Kings, so it's like makes him expendable in in all circumstances. Not that they're gonna get. And we always say we're not we're not in the business of trade motherfuckers just to trade them. I'm not saying that, but um, I think I think more of it was that it just shows. I think it just shows his value on the Kings and shows that they they actually have more people around that they can count on is the biggest thing. And that I, I think it's I, I think it's NBA something talent, like, man. yeah, I think it's one thing I like to foresee as as we come on here, like, oh, you know, looking ahead the next month, what are we kind of seeing? What are we predicting? You know, that's kind of what that's kind of what you do, I guess, when you sit through an NBA season and we're watching basketball and we're watching our team. Right. Because we could sit here and be like, oh, you know, they need to be better on the pick and roll or like some people do. I don't give a fuck about that. I try to look about what are they going to do with the rotation? Where's people's roles falling, especially. And it's fun to talk about, I think, when you have a team like the Kings, who it's like it's it's very uh, uh, uncertain, if you will. You know what I mean? And unpredictable. And what I and I think probably, you know, one of the more interesting storylines for the next month when Rashawn Holmes comes back is what is going to happen with the Kings front court because they have Tristan Thompson's deal and it, I believe it's expiring at 10 million. That deal is tradable as fuck. That deal is, that deal is, is a valuable tradable. Okay. And then you have Alex Len on a minimal deal. I I don't even remember his stuff, maybe a year on him. Okay. Which are two years, right? So it's minimal, very expendable, whatever whatever it is, nothing, whatever it is. Okay. So you have that they're, they're, they're playing they're they're here and there. They're playing for the time being, but, what's going to happen with the rotation because Marvin Bagley's starting now. So it's going to be Holmes. It's going to be Bagley. It's going to be Barnes to Halliburton. It's going to be Fox. That's, that's what we're going to see. So then what, what, what's going to come in? Who's going to come in? You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it, 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 and, and, and you start looking at expirings and you package and you package a Holmes with a, with a Tristan Thompson, that's 20 million that you can give to a team to return back. And you have 10 million falling off that. That's mm. valuable stuff. I think, I think uh, I, I, I think that the thing, you you brought up Tristan Tristan Thompson. I think put pairing like a Marvin Bagley and Holmes is more realistic, uh, just because the the 
owning the rights on Marvin Bagley, the upside of, like we said, a 22 year old. Um, so just to be clear, I, who's, <laughs> who's going to take on Tristan till Tristan Thompson's 10 million. Eric, what do you, what, who I do think, you think takes Tristan Thompson's 10 million expiring deal? Do you maybe, all right. So like not a contending team, correct? No, like, I think, a, yeah, not a contending team. I don't, team I, that, I think that it doesn't really matter. I think Tristan Thompson is not the player that's about, I think his contract is actually really valuable. I think any, any team that, that looks, that look can break up a $20 million contract or $25 million contract. And then at the end of the year have 10 million fall off. That's valuable. That's why I think he's a valuable piece. I don't yeah, think, and, 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 and especially if you're, if you are a playoff team who just wants to get a, a veteran player who you, if you had to throw in there, could handle the minutes. I think he's, that's why I think he's, he's probably the one of the most tradable assets on the whole the team playoff, package. The playoff teams, the playoff teams typically don't have the money to absorb a $10 million contract. That's where I'm going with that. So like, I think the Tristan Thompson trade is limited to teams at the bottom of the NBA. I, I don't think like you look at it, the Lakers don't have the money to take that on. Right. Um, you know, like Philadelphia doesn't have the money to take that on. Brooklyn doesn't have the money to take that on. Um, you know, f- uh, the Warriors don't have the money to take that on. Utah doesn't have the money to take that on. So that's where I'm going with that. I, I you look at it and it's all right. You know, I understand what you're saying, you know, being able to break up the 20, 25 million from a player, you have to do it at the, you know, your, your teams of being able to trade with got cut in probably half at least. So I, I think to move a Tristan Thompson contract, you would have to give up a Marvin Bagley, somebody with hope, somebody, you know, and in, in incentivize because I'm trying to think of bad contracts out there from other teams. And there's not as many horrible contracts out there where you would want Sacramento to go in and take over for two, three years, you know, but, you know, like, for example, like the Chandler Parsons contract from a few years ago where you got a huge contract and you want guys and he's on a bad team. I just don't really see those right now. So um, I, I think the Tristan Thompson one from the guys that you brought up are is probably the least movable, in my opinion. Oh, I yeah, dude, I had so I disagree with you so, so much. dude. I think that's I think you don't, you're not really valuing the the 10 million what 10 million dollars of expiring does a lot of teams do there's well, a lot of teams kings, the kings the kings have marvin bagley who's 11 million expiring and you own the rights and you own the rights like you said to a 22 year old yeah yeah so like tristan i think tristan thompson an attack <laughs> I mean, on trade is totally is totally valuable but that's Mark, like, we, but, can t- but, we can talk about that like when the trend the trade deadline stuff you know get, gets a little bit closer i i, I think if anything like the kings I think one thing that's a big hot topic in, uh, on the Kings right now is that there's people want something to fucking happen. Like, I think there's this, uh, it's pretty evident, like what's here isn't ideal for the whole season and everybody knows it. And that there's, there is a trade or two to be had here and it's, it's going to happen. I think most people are always wanting the swing for the fences, like blue chip trade, right? Like, like that's always a thing. Um, but real and realistically, you know, things things kind of are, are a little bit more smaller scale than that. But I, I think that it'll be an absolute fucking riot out here, Ryan, if we go towards the trade deadline and, and literally nothing happens. I think I think that'll be hilarious. One of the things I want to say is that um, and this is this is where I think that this is where I feel some frustration 
And I think people are starting to feel some frustration. Like Monty McNair has only been part of the Kings for two years, a year and a half. Not even 18 months. Yeah, yeah a year and a half, okay? Everybody else has been through this shit for a long time, <laughs> like a long, long time. Okay. And, and everybody, we've all seen the cycle and we've kind of seen this before. And, and even with this kind of, you, you know, people like to use the term core, this quote unquote core, people have kind of seen this here for a couple of years now with three years, really, if you're including, if you're including Harris, Harrison Barnes, three years, if you're including kind of the other guys four four years, that's not an insignificant amount of time. They've gone through multiple coaches um, and they've gone through multiple GMs. So, you know, the, the, I think the natural thing is when Monty McNair came in, you know, you want to be patient, you want to evaluate your roster, you want to create a cap flexibility, the, the things you want to do as a GM to set yourself up for the future. But what's happening is his lack of, uh, you know, we keep saying lack of balls, but his lack of urgency really to fucking do anything. And I think, I think the Kings fans, including me, I don't know about you, are getting really, are really frustrated by it. I think people are really, really frustrated by it by hearing the same bullshit when they go on a couple of losing streak or, oh, you need to be fucking accountable or, oh, we need to do this and, oh, da, 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 da. And then, like, if, if, a, if a no move happens, if a no impact move happens in the trade deadline and they just kind of go at it, I don't think King Sands have the patience for this. And I think that there's got to be uh, a little bit, you know, who, whomever, whether it's Monty, ownership, somebody's got to come in and say, look it, like, you got to kind of fucking do something to get better. You Because, you know, as much as the as the losers out there want to do their mock drafts in January, okay, um, you know, just because the Kings have been kind of sucking, it doesn't need, mean you need to fucking blow it all up, okay? That literally does nothing. If you think we don't have patience right now for the Kings, you think anybody's got fucking patience to start – trading Fox and blowing the shit up. Fuck off. I'm tired of those takes. I don't hear those takes anymore. But man, someone's got to be like, hey, you got to get better from here, right? You got to get better. The, the, the lack of urgency is something to keep your eye on. 100%. I'm really excited because we are literally like four weeks away from the most exciting time of the year. Me and Eric, you know, like Eric said, we're not the X's and O's. We're, we don't really give a shit about coming on here and analyzing the Halliburton and Rashawn Holmes pick and roll and who who forgot to switch on to who defensively to give up the open bucket. We really don't give a fuck about that, right? We like to look at the personnel approach, the GM approach. So we are about four weeks away from, you know, the most shit happening or don't happen. Shit happening, dude, popping off. Like I'm at work, like not getting no fucking work done because I'm just hitting refresh on hoops hype and hoops rumors trying to find out who's going where who's fucking getting traded to where what's going on so uh, that's what's the most exciting part about all this right that's what brings you back is like you know people ask me why the fuck are you a sacramento kings fan i'm like man it's like this it's like the uh, uh the godfather three just just when you think you're out they pull you fucking back in man and they make a fucking move that makes you just oh man there's hope you right, like they got to Marcus Cousins and then they traded for Harrison Barnes and they won 30, 39 games that year and they just fucking bring you back in. So, uh, you know, like I, I that's why we're I'm, I'm so excited right now because it's four weeks away. And, you know, to Eric's point, I, I can't go through, you know, another roster with, you know, John Salmons, Baino Udre, Andres Nocioni. Trist or not Tristan Thompson, but Jason Thompson. Like I, I can't go through that dude. Like that 
that we Sacramento Kings fans aren't patient enough for that. Like that's just, that can't happen. Sacramento has a guy in Deer and Fox. You already messed it once with DeMarcus Cousins. You have Deer and Fox here, who is a budding superstar who's showing, you know, that he can, you know, really play in this NBA and be an all-star type of talent. So we'll see, man, they have to make a move in the next month, right? Like if they don't, people are going to lose their mind. He included. Yeah. I think the days, that's the days of the, of the, like those players you listed, I think that's not, that's done. That's not here. That's a real, that's a real special. And when I mean special, I mean, fucking stupid fucking, that's a word, stupid fucking one word time. Like that was terrible. I think, and that's what was so like, like when people were talking about the tanking crap and you kind of still hearing it, it's like, because if you trade Fox, that's a, and you do that for picks and young players, that's essentially what you're doing. Trading Barnes, you're not tanking. Trading Buddy, you're not tanking. You know, trading Holmes, you're not taking. You know, um, so like I let's be clear about that, but like trading Fox, you're tanking, you know, and 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 so I, I don't think we're going there as much as people really want to. Like I said, the mock draft dorks want to go there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I think that another trade deadline of a Terrence Davis coming back or a Kent Bazemore coming back or an Alex Len coming back. And like that's the that's the bill of goods we're gonna get sold to try to make that play and run this year and hope for the you know that's that shit right there that's like nah bro you've only been here for a year and a half we've been through this we're not we're not gonna keep doing this like you know and I I don't know what that means I mean is it a starter is it a high end rotational player is it is it what is it you know you got to have some balls you got to make some moves I mean. You know, you look at the Bulls. I sent you this thing this week. All year last year, you were on DeMar DeRozan. You know, you were all on DeMar DeRozan last year. We did our trade deadline specials, mock stuff. You were all on DeMar DeRozan. And and what was the thing about DeMar DeRozan, right? Oh, he gets paid a lot of money. He doesn't really shoot the three. These are the yeah, fucking analytic the dorks that want to do their NBA NBA mock drafts. Well, you know, he doesn't shoot the three, so he doesn't compliment, uh, you know, Fox as well as, as you like. Because they want to go fucking sound smart, okay? 26 points a game this year. Fuck you, right? And, number and, one and, team in the East right now. Number and, one seed in the East. And it's third, crazy. Third like, in scoring. Lonzo Ball, he compliments Lonzo Ball. He compliments Zach Lee, but he can't compliment here. You know, and that's where all these other nerds, man, they just want to. Well, you need to have someone who can stretch the stretch it out here, and they can do this, and they want to do the pick and roll. Like, shut the fuck up. Just get some talent. You know, go after somebody. There's going to be somebody available. Pull a trigger. You know, the uh, fortune favors the bold dude. Look at the Bulls. Look at the Suns. You know, look at these teams right now that are that are in the mix, and look what they look what they've done. And, and I think the Kings are right there. I think they tried to kind of do it when they went and got HB. Okay, they they were on pace for their best season in a decade. Um, they went and got HB. Okay, and then they went to that off season, but then they didn't complete it. Okay, they didn't go. They didn't go full hard. They didn't want to trade Bogey. They didn't. Oh, we don't trade Bogey because. Blah, 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 blah. And look what happened. You could have got Kyle Kuzma for Bogey that that year. I mean, if you're really looking back, you, that year you got HB. You signed Buddy. You had Fox. You had Bagley coming back. You had Holmes. You could have traded Bogey for Kyle Kuzma, and you fucking didn't because you you love everybody. You fucking love everybody. And he, uh, he uh, 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 uh. You know, it's it's that shit right now. I want people to remember as we're going to the trade deadline, and that like, hey, just when if we're talking about Rashawn Holmes and a fucking trade potential, may, may, maybe maybe be open to it. Okay, if we're talking about packaging Halberton for a real blue chipper, 
maybe be open to it because that's that's kind of what needs to happen. You know what I mean? It's not don't be reckless. Don't get in bad cap situation. Don't give up all your future all your future picks. But you know, fortune favors the bull, Ryan. It does. It does. I'm not even going to try to follow up on that. I'm going to let your rant be your rant. Uh, but hey, thanks for the shout out on the Demar Derozan though, because I I did make you know because we're gonna do it in about a month from now. Your our trade deadline special, and uh, I Demar Derozan was on my trade deadline special last year, and I think he was on the year before as well, the bogey one. I, I so I believe Demar Derozan was on my last two trade deadline specials, and now he is in Chicago, like the number three leading scorer in the NBA the number one team in the Eastern conference. So <sighs> Sacramento, you know, fortune favors the bold man. Isn't DeMar DeRozan? He's from California too. Like I'm pretty sure he went to USC, like <sighs> fucking guys, man. So, well, and I, I'll add this to Ryan about if, if, when you're looking at this, you know, we like to, look, I like to look at correlations between winning, you know, and losing and when the Kings are successful when, when, when they're not. And, and one of the things, I mean, there's a lot more to it. So, you know, I don't want to be those people that cherry pick, you know, little individual stats to try to make their point. But like, you know, anytime the Kings really have someone that that is a, a, a secondary score, they, they compete with anybody. They do compete. They compete with anybody. That's why when the, when the, the games that Buddy Hill drops, he'll go off, he'll hit six threes like he did yesterday against the, against the Heat, and he drops 25, the Kings can beat anybody. You know, and that's happened a couple times this year. Um, the problem is, is that they unfortunately just don't have anyone on the roster who can consistently go go do that. Like they thought HB would do that. He's more the sixteen. He's more the sixteen, but he's all the thing about HB. He's tricky, man. He's a trickster because he's always at sixteen points a game. You know what I mean? It's always sixteen. It's never twenty five and thirteen and twenty eight. It's always sixteen. And, and that Kings can't. You you've been saying something on Kings Cast. You can't. Kings don't have the luxury of having another a roster, you know. And then and then even you know, Buddy. He's a he's a three point specialist. He's a third. He's a third third guy. And for people like, oh, you know me, you guys are starting to change on Buddy. We're not. Like we're not. We've always said that Buddy Hield is a number three guy. And he, but he occasionally hit the twenty five. And when he hits twenty five, what happens? The Kings can they beat anybody. They, they can beat, beat anybody. Yeah, that I was there last night when he dropped twenty six and. There was that third quarter where, you know, I, I bring my wife to the game with me last night and, you know, and I'm telling her, you know, I like to include her in my bets. You know, I tell her, you know, try to keep her involved. She's, she's an athletic person. She understands the game she played and, you know, and I was telling her hey, I bet against, you know, Sacramento in the third quarter, you know, which they ended up losing by the way, but that's not the point. You know, I was telling her, this is where Miami pulls up. This is where Miami pulls away. Like I was telling her, you know, don't be surprised that at the end of the third quarter, we're down by 15 and it was a 20, you know, it'd be a, at that point, a 22 point swing. And what do you fucking know? Buddy Heald gets hot, dude. And that place was rocking. Buddy Heald hit two threes. Okay. Back to back. And then he came down and he's on the wing and he missed a three, but they get the offensive rebound and everybody stands up because Buddy's in the corner, right? Cow guy closed out. Buddy launched and people were going crazy. Didn't make it, but people were going nuts, dude. And, you know, Buddy really just took over that third quarter. And that's why Sacramento won. So when you say, you know, when Sacramento has that secondary score or, you know, Sac, you know, when it's 25, they're going to win. Like that's a thing. Like that you can go back and look at Buddy. I, I would bet that every time Buddy scored 25 or close to it, the Kings have won. Well, and the thing is, is that Buddy Healed, he's he's 15. Right now he's 15, 16 a game. Who 
who gets to 25 on the occasion. And that's why Buddy is an awesome number three. And that's why when over, as we've talked about building the Kings and all this stuff, we've always been about like a key. We always kind of say, keep Buddy, like keep Buddy, because if you have buddies a three, he's going to still have these games, but you're also going to have that, that real secondary scorer on your roster. And that's how you go from being like um, a okay team who occasionally upsets teams and stuff to, Oh shit, this team is now in the mix. And if you look at, um, some of the teams who have kind of taken that next step right now in the NBA, particularly like Memphis. Okay. Like look at, look at Memphis is getting production now from other guys. They're getting scoring production from other guys. Right. And look at what they're doing. They're now the fourth seed, you know, and, and that's really, if you look at the bulls, that's what the bulls did. They had, they had Zach Levine who Zach Levine was a 26 point a game, 25 point a game score. They had that. Okay, but then they go get a DeMar DeRozan, a true secondary score. You can kind of keep that. And that's where we it goes back to that episode we talk about in the summer, Ryan, the single superstar conundrum. And that's kind of the problem when you have a guy when you, when you have a guy who can do it, but then you don't have a secondary guy who consistently do it. It's really hard to compete in the NBA, man. It's really hard to compete in the NBA. Yeah, 100 percent. So hundred hundred percent. You said, hey, you disrespected my guy, DeMar DeRozan, and said he's a secondary score. That man is the third leading scorer in the NBA. He is a true number one score. That, Statistic- that is statistically a, throughout his career, though he's playing. Hold on, but though he's Toronto, playing above, number one. Okay, but he's playing above. He's statistically currently he's playing slightly above. You know, we'll see if it lasts. We always talk about people play to their averages, but no, I mean, I, you know, but that's that's the that's the point there. Yeah, if he came to the Kings primary, whatever the case, but I think the point is the same: is that you you need some you need somebody who can fucking score. So I just, hey, I just wanted to point out that you were just, you know, just wanted to point out dude, before you close out. I just, just wanted to point it out. Hey guys, we appreciate you listening in. If you ever want to interact or be a part of the show, you can always do so by tagging us. You can find uh, Ryan and I on Twitter and Facebook at Kingscast Eric and at Kingscast Ryan. And we are active on a number of Facebook or groups, uh, including ours, Kingsland. So check that out. Join that. If you want to interact with us, follow the game thread. Just do all that stuff. Um, if you want to support Kingscast, slide down after the show. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read those on air if you do that. Um, and thank you for the support as we reach episode 100. So with that, for Ryan, this is Eric. Go Kings. Kings. episode was brought to you by Ziggy Smoke Shop, 209's headiest smoke shop. Follow them on Instagram at Ziggy Smoke Shop 209 for a view of all of their awesome inventory.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.